Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Remember to join us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. at the Ferndale Area District Library. We're going to continue the Detroit Today Summer Book Club conversations where we are discussing Matthew Desmond's Pulitzer Prize winning book, Evicted Poverty and Profit in the American City, talking about housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. Not just eviction, but foreclosures, tax foreclosures, all of the housing issues that we deal with in Detroit and in our suburbs increasingly. In Ferndale, we are going to talk specifically about how eviction affects families and children and education. So be sure to turn out if you want to join us in that conversation. You can also go to the WDET website, WDET.org, and find out about the other events that we are having as part of the Summer Book Club. You can also go to Facebook and join the Detroit Today Summer Book Club and join the online discussion that we are having there. Up first today, shock might be the best way to describe the reaction of journalists and political watchers to last Tuesday's results in the 5th State Senate District primary. Democratic State Senator David Knizek, who is a rising star in state politics, was defeated by a candidate who ran no campaign, spent no money, never spoke with the press, had no public platform whatsoever, and seemed to have no interest in actually running for the job. Betty Jean Alexander also has a criminal background and a number of civil cases that have come to light. But those things were not known publicly until after the primary election. Now people in that heavily Democratic district, which covers parts of Detroit, Dearborn Heights, Inkster, Garden City, and Redford Township, are left with a choice between Alexander or a Republican, Deshaun Wilkins, who joined me yesterday on the show to talk about why he wants to be the state senator. But why was it that no one in a major media market like Detroit looked into Alexander before the election? How did we miss this one? It's not the first or the worst case of this in Michigan in recent memory. Flint voters elected Wantwaz Davis to city council a few years ago after the press in that town failed to report ahead of the election that she had spent 19 years in prison after pleading guilty to second-degree murder in 1991. So is this starting to become a media pattern? Can we blame dwindling resources in newsrooms, straight-up laziness, or both for the fact that we knew nothing about a state senator candidate who ended up unseating in an incumbent in an important race? That is where we begin the conversation today. And joining me to talk more about how the press handles media and public uh, uh, coverage of political races is M.O. Elric, who is an investigative reporter for Fox 2 News. Mike, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I, I just want to start off and say uh, a little off topic that if, if anybody out there missed your interview yesterday with Chastity Pratt-Dossie, they've got to go get the podcast. Yes. Chastity, I'm president of her fan club. I think she's one of the most amazing <laughs> people and most amazing journalists in Michigan, if mm-hmm. not the country. And her personal story is so compelling. I really enjoyed listening to that. If I was late for work yesterday, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I heard from a lot of people who said they were stuck in their cars listening to her talk about uh, her childhood uh, and the way that eviction or near eviction sort of drove the poverty that her family lived in and how she sort of got to a new place uh, 
through opportunity, but that uh, that really shaped uh, the yeah, way she thinks a, about that. A really extraordinary uh, interview and a really extraordinary story, but also a, a segue to uh, to a correction I'd like to make. Yeah, um, Betty Jean Alexander's past has been reported before. In fact, it was uh, it when was she uncovered. ran for school board, right? Yes, it was uncovered by your colleague here at WDET, Sasha Ryan, mm-hmm. and I was one of the first to report on that back in 2016. When Fox 2 put together a consortium with WDET, with mm-hmm. Chastity Pratt-Dossie of Bridge Magazine, and with the Detroit Free Press, where we looked at all the candidates running in that special school board election because it was an extraordinary circumstance. There were 67 candidates right. running for, I think, seven, seven or nine seats. I think seven positions. There yeah. was no primary election. There were so many candidates. It was, it was impossible for even the most conscientious voter to distinguish among them other than people who had famous names. And it's worth noting that in that race, Lamar, Lamar Lemons was playing games again, mm-hmm. putting mm-hmm. Betty Jean Alexander, Lamar's wife, Georgia, and himself on the ballot. Uh, once again, putting a triumvirate of people who may or may not be interested or prepared to serve the public in that election. And and this is where um, I give the media credit because that effort exposed a lot of candidates who had no business I mean, they, had, they couldn't take care of their business, so right. we're going to put them in charge of a district that just came out of bankruptcy? I don't think so. And we were able to inform people in a way that allowed them to uh, to make some some better choices. Yeah. Um, where I fault the media is, in this case, we had an opportunity to do that again, and not all the partners were willing to return to the table, partly because there's a lot of demands on our time, partly because there are a lot of things that that we prioritize differently than each other. But I think mainly because there's a lack of vision and there's a lack of understanding that it's critical that we help voters figure out who they're voting for. And but ultimately, I I will give us a pass and say that that responsibility has to go down to the voters, because if you don't know who you're voting for, why the hell are you voting? Why are you pulling the lever? You know, both of us have have worked in uh, several different newsrooms here in Metro Detroit, and we've worked uh, through an era of incredible contraction, right? Uh, There are a fraction of the number of people at the major dailies, at the television stations here, at the radio station, than there were when you and I started out, for instance, as as, as Back in the hot type days. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Typewriters and stuff. Um, uh, and, And that means it's even more important to prioritize, right? What do you cover and what do you not? You can't cover everything anymore. Nobody right. can. And so I, the question I have about Betty Jean Alexander and this race is how have we gotten to the place where there is a deprioritization on a state Senate seat? We only have five state Senate seats here in Detroit. Uh, the idea that you would just go through and look at who the candidates are just to see if there's somebody who has issues that uh, that that the public needs to know about? It, it does seem odd that uh, that this that nobody did it. That no one in any newsroom looked at the people who were running for these races and said, "I'm going to do a story about this person," or how about a story about all five of those races? Some of them were pretty tight. Lots right. of candidates in in several of them. I didn't see much coverage of this issue anywhere. Well, I. I think I think there's um, there's a, a lack of appreciation for how important these races are. Uh, Fox Two did put together another consortium again with WDET mm-hmm. 
and with um, the Gongra News Service and the Michigan Campaign Finance Network, and we scrutinized the 20 candidates running for the three open congressional seats and found some very interesting uh, problems with many of the candidates that we shared with viewers, readers, and listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you get down the ballot, like the state Senate race, uh, people are so focused on the governor's race, the attorney general's race, the, um, the, congressional the secretary of, of state and other things, the Macomb County clerk, for mm-hmm. example, that I think these state Senate and state house races uh, get overlooked. But, Frankly, just checking your archives on some of these people. I mean, the Free Press, the day after uh, she was elected, referred very immediately to the work the consortium did in 2016 to tell people about about yeah. this candidate. That's yeah. something that could have been done beforehand. And, and I think newspapers spend a lot of time, waste a lot of time, quite frankly, endorsing candidates when that time and resources should be spent vetting candidates because I don't read a newspaper because I'm interested in having somebody tell me what to do. I read it because I'm interested in getting the information that helps me do what I feel I need to do. And I think that's a change that we need to see happen because oftentimes the endorsements are not, uh, are not as, as, as reliable as we wish they were. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? They are absolutely a hundred percent. As as a former endorser, I apologize, uh, Stephen, uh, but but I read the endorsement uh, of a congressional candidate where they referred to Detroit City Council President Brenda Jones, and they said they they lauded her for the scandal-free um, tenure that she's had as city council president. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, wait a minute, didn't we just all report on Gabe Leland maybe taking bribes? Didn't we all see everything that happened with George Cushingberry? Didn't we see that when women came forward to complain about George Cushingberry's conduct, Council President Brenda Jones' chief of staff said, don't tell me, tell somebody else. This is the Me Too movement. They don't want to touch us. I read that and I said to myself, boy, the people making the endorsements aren't even reading their own paper. They're certainly not watching Fox 2 because we've been exposing these candidates. And I think there's a sense that it doesn't really matter who runs for office. It matters what they do when they get in there. But that's not true at all because when you put garbage in, you get garbage out, which isn't to say Betty Jean Alexander is garbage. I watched her I on Let It Rip on that. Sunday yeah. and I was impressed with with her i she there was a lot more to betty jean alexander than i think people thought mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. having said that is she the best qualified for the job i think we're going to find out soon how yeah. quick she learns on the yeah. job i want to welcome someone else to, to the conversation here uh, candace fortman is our marketing and engagement manager at wdet she is a resident of the fifth state senate district and one of the first members of the media to go out to betty jean alexander's house and knock on the door after she won the primary last Tuesday. Candace, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, l- let's get your perspective on on how this sort of unfolded. Uh, you live in that district. Talk about the campaign that David Knizek uh, mounted uh, to, to keep his seat. And talk about who Betty Jean Alexander is and whether this was somebody that maybe you were familiar with before uh, Tuesday. Um, so... I recall driving down, I can't remember what street it is in our district, but it's in our neighborhood, and I saw a billboard for David Knizek, and I thought, wow, that's interesting that, uh, you know, a state city, a state rep would have a um, a billboard up, but I, I didn't think any more about it. That was probably three weeks before the election. I sort of drove by it haphazardly, not thinking much about it. I got maybe one mailer before the primary, um, and then one... I believe the day of the primary, Mm -hmm. Um, I check my mail once a week, to be fair, Um, (laughs) because at that point it was mostly mailers. Um, So, you know, I'm watching the elections that night 
And in my head, David Knizek is, is going to be the person I see winning. Um, and even when I went to the, the poll to vote, I saw Betty Jean's mm-hmm. name there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, who is this person? And that was it. And it sort of like, it, it went past me because oftentimes we see people running for offices, especially smaller offices who we don't recognize, sure. who we don't identify in the media, who we don't get to identify in neighborhoods, right? Um, which I want to go back to the importance of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so, you know, that night I'm watching the elections and I, and I see what's happening. And I said, uh-oh, something was missed here. And so the next day when I come into our editorial meeting, that was the conversation. Who is Betty Jean Alexander and why um, not only do I live in that neighborhood, but a couple other people in our newsroom live in that neighborhood. Yeah. And why did, do none of us know who she is? And I want to say that I don't just live in the neighborhood. I'm the president <laughs> of the community association. Right, right. So it's a little bit more than just living in a neighborhood, right? Sure. I'm pretty active in that neighborhood. And the people that... And this was not someone whose name you'd heard before. Ever. Someone you'd seen at community Correct. meetings, any, any well, of that. Well, and you wouldn't expect her to be in that neighborhood for very long because when she ran for school board in 2016, the now the minute, side, right? the minute she was contacted by, by Sasha, she said, I'm suspending my campaign. Don't call me. Don't ask me any questions. I don't want to run for school board anymore. Mm-hmm. She listed her residence as Lamar Lemon's home mm-hmm. on the East side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we went to go talk to Lamar about that, because he had three people living in his house running for school board, right. we want to know, is it good for a seven member school board to have three people living under the same roof? He said, well, she doesn't really live here. She's kind of homeless. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is an important conversation to have about archiving newsrooms yes. and about the importance of us being able to search back in our own information. Um, and, and I think that's a lesson that we have to learn here because now, you know, this when you started, ML um, talking about the reporting that Sasha did in conjunction with Fox 2 around the school board, as soon as somebody mentioned it in the newsroom, I immediately remembered that piece, right? But we have to be able to go back and look through those documents and use them time over after time when we're talking about candidates, because mm-hmm. oftentimes they have come up in some way or another. Um, and that 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 database, which the Free Press did a great job in putting together the searchable database yes, of all the candidates, yes. that's still available, sure. and you can still find that. Uh, it's a little tricky, but it's out there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know, living in a neighborhood where candidates are are knocking our doors down and especially to come to our our board meetings Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was unreal that there had been an entire candidate that i not not only had never met in a community event at a meeting at the halloween party Mm -hmm. at anything right um and so i talked to my neighbors and, and i didn't talk to them because i called them they started calling me and they started calling me, asking me, who is Betty Jean who Alexander? Have I missed something? And these are people who are really involved, <laughs> not only in the community, but also in, in, in the political scene in Detroit. And I didn't have an answer for them. And yeah. so I said, well, I have an address. Let me go knock a door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are M.L. Elric, an investigative reporter with Fox 2 News. Also with us is Candace Fortman, marketing and engagement manager for WDET, a resident of the 5th State Senate District. We're talking about the primary election in the 5th State Senate District last uh, week, last Tuesday. Uh, the Democratic primary was a shocker. The results uh, had Betty Jean Alexander bettering David Knizek, who has had that position. Uh, we're talking about the coverage of that race and how someone like Betty Jean Alexander was made was able to make it through the campaign without coverage of her, without coverage about her ideas, her plans 
for the state Senate, but also about her background, which is a little bit checkered. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. Tell us what you expect of the press before an election. What kind of information do you think the press ought to be giving you about the candidates who want to represent you in Lansing or in Washington? Do you think the coverage of candidates has been helpful or comprehensive this year? Or has it left you, in some cases, wondering who you're voting for? What kind of information do you want to know about candidates? Uh, the number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Mike and Candace, I want to talk about collaboration uh, in media, which is something that we've started to see a little more of both locally and nationally. Is this one of the things that you think might make it easier for the press to get to these kinds of smaller races that uh, that right now they don't have the resources to get to? Right. I, I think it's the only way to try and cover this. Uh, we've gone from a, a period in our business where it was cutthroat, where the news was trying to put the free press out of the business mm -hmm. and vice versa. Well, now they're doing a great job just going out of business on their own. So what we have to do now, and when we hear these rants from Washington and other places about fake news and the media being an enemy of the people, I think it's critical not just to fulfill our constitutional role as, uh, as guardians of democracy, but to remind people that there is a reason why we're out there. It's not just to put uh, pictures of Kim Kardashian's butt on the Internet and try and break the Internet and foolishness like that. Mm -hmm. It's because we truly believe that we serve the public and that there is a higher calling here. And one of the ways we do that is we help people find out the things that they don't have time to find out on, them, on their own. We get the information that other people don't know how to get, and we present it to people in a way that's easily digestible, and that makes sense to them in a world that rarely makes sense and where they're being bombarded. Yeah. And I think this is not just the key to our salvation, but I think it's a justification to our existence. We have to provide this public service. And, and media outlets that don't understand that it's time to lay down our arms on some occasions to try and present some, some information that's just purely in the public interest are missing the boat. Uh -huh. And we end up with results like this. Thank goodness... The, uh, the outcome here was just that a, a fairly uh, sincere and well-intentioned woman has won a seat that people didn't expect her to win. There's a candidate in uh, another district who uh, was just out of prison that people didn't know about. There mm -hmm. are candidates we've seen on the ballot that have committed fraud. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, Fox did a story on five candidates that we've been exposing over the last five years who have been convicted of felonies, who have abused people, who have abused clients, who have disgraced the public trust, who have betrayed the taxpayers. None of those five were elected. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's partly because people had become very acquainted with them over the years and being acquainted and being educated as to what their background was. They said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, three, four, five times, shame on me. And I'm not taking any more shame. Mm -hmm. uh, Candace, what, what do you think about uh, the sort of cooperation that, that right here at WDET we're part of with the D Detroit Journalism uh, mm -hmm. Cooperative? Is that the path 
to the future? I absolutely think it is. And I know that the work we were able to get done this election season through the DJC would not have been possible with just the steam power inside of WDET. But I also want to bring something up because I'm always thinking about the audience, right? So my job is to think about how we deliver information to audiences that works best for that audience. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about being able to come together across different mediums, the importance of that. Not everyone is going to get information the same way. Not everyone likes to get information the same way. And so the ability to be able to work with a TV station, a radio station, a newspaper allows us to reach a cross-section of people we otherwise would not be able to to meet. And then when you think about bringing in all of those channels, social media um, uh, uh, um, channels as well, you really are starting to deliver your information in a way that impacts people right where they are so they don't have to go searching all the time because we know people are not going to go searching often for information they want to be hand delivered that information and when we work together across these mediums we're better able to do that yeah okay we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to continue our conversation about media coverage of politics stay with us and stay with us on the phones ryan in detroit trajan in detroit greg in gross point we will get to you when we come back Uh, stay with us on detroit today you're listening to detroit today on 1019 wdet i'm stephen henderson and as always thanks for tuning in my guests are ml elric an investigative reporter with fox 2 news and Keenis fortman Who's the marketing and engagement manager here at WDET? We're talking about political coverage in the media. A week after residents of the 5th State Senate District delivered a surprise on Election Day, choosing Betty Jean Alexander over David Knizek, who was the heavily favored incumbent. Uh, before the election, there was almost no coverage of Betty Jean Alexander, her ideas, her plans, or her history. We're talking about whether local media can do better uh, trying to get information to voters before they cast their ballots. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Ryan in Detroit. Ryan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, yeah. Hey. I, uh, I'm a big fan, and I love a lot of what you've done with the show, mm-hmm. but when we're talking about limited resources and picking stories uh, you know, appropriately to try to cover everything, mm-hmm. I think you're right. But in the week before the primary, you were talking about the NFL preseason, mm-hmm. and I turned off my radio because I was hoping that there would be more political coverage on your show leading up to the primary. Huh. And you know, you can talk about the NFL anytime. Uh, that's a fair criticism, Ryan. I mean, we weren't actually talking about preseason. We were talking about the anthem protests and the the owners' reaction to those protests and race and politics, uh, the political issues that surround the NFL. But but uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we we could have been spending that time uh, interviewing candidates. It's not really what we do exclusively on this show. We did talk to a lot of candidates. 
during the campaign. We talked about uh, the issues uh, an awful lot, uh, ballot issues that are that are coming up. But I, I think that's a fair criticism, and, and I'm sorry that uh, that you felt that you had to turn us off rather than listen to the NFL conversation. But I do think there, you know, there's always this this balance you're trying to strike, especially in this era especially when you know that in many other forums and many other media outlets, there's not going to be a lot of coverage. You know, maybe maybe all of us do more of that. I don't know, Mike. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in, uh, in in defense of Detroit today, and not just because I'm trying to be a good guest, because if you invite me to your house, <laughs> you'll you find out, out here, right? I pee on the toilet seat, so I'm a bad guest. But but I'm just going to I'm just going to say because I, I, I really like Ryan's point. And I think it's it's a it's a well well-made point. But in the week before an election, it's, it's, it's traditional. I think it's respectful that there's kind of a no fly zone where you're not doing negative stories about candidates because they don't have much time to to respond to that. Now we've been criticized at Fox too, for doing stories that really only point out the negatives of candidates. We justify that by saying that they spend so much money telling you how great they are. Somebody should at least try and spend a minute (laughs) telling you what they don't want you to know. But in that week before the election, it really is hard to be critical of candidates. And we basically put the brakes on any stories like that. But I, I do think there is a question of, can you fill the five days leading up to an election with stories about voter turnout, about the issues? I mean, I, I think that, that at some point gets a little dry, but I, I think I think the gauntlet's been thrown down and we need to take up that challenge of how do we reinforce for people that these elections do matter, that it does it is important to vote? Because we always talk about we want as many people to vote as possible. And I always wrestle with that because I always figure I don't want a bunch of knuckleheads voting because we end up with a bunch of knuckleheads in office. <laughs> so how do we can convert people who may be overwhelmed or passive into engaged voters? Because ideally everybody would vote and they'd know who they're voting for and why they're voting for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan, I again pre- appreciate you listening. Appreciate the call, and uh, I actually appreciate the criticism. We'll take that under consideration. Let's go to Greg in Gross Point. Greg, welcome to the hello, hello, hello. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. How's everyone today? Good. I'm positive. I'm feeling positive. <laughs> right. Today's a gift. Keep it positive. I'm always looking for, <laughs> for the sunshine in the clouds. Yeah. But I, I wanted to call in because I was getting a little getting a little incense and I had to focus on the positive. Stay positive. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? Thing. Well, for the one thing, the reaction to this this lady winning this seat and the idea that she just completely came out of the blue as if that is an impossible thing is just simply not true. Most of these first-time candidates come out of the blue Hmm. and are largely unknown to the public. Look at the governor who, you know— he Spend a million dollars on a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. Look Ryan, at Joe Tate, who had billboards and flyers. All <laughs> first-time had, candidate who yeah. blanketed my district. Absolutely, absolutely. The point, the point being that uh, that many of these folks and uh, come out of the blue. And the good thing about having a democracy is that everybody can have the opportunity to serve, despite their background, sure. despite their faults, despite their education level, and all that stuff. And there, there's a there's a certain arrogance on the part of planning editors that I've seen over years when it comes to covering these elections, where they completely dismiss the state legislature. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, even though we have the internet and mm-hmm. and more space ostensibly to cover everything, uh, they spend less time doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that can happen is is that once people officially file, you can go to the Secretary of State's website 
And if you don't have enough people to cover it, just put a link up to that website so that people can go and look and see who's running in whatever district. Yeah. But we don't even take the time to do that in the media. Yeah. Well, well I mean, no they do. Well, I mean, there are voter guides that some media outlets still put together. The Free Press still has a pretty robust voter guide where you can go online and, and learn who's running in almost every race. Uh, I also want to push back just a little about, uh, against your criticism uh, about. Uh, these kinds of sort of candidates who come out of nowhere. I don't think anyone, and certainly no one in this space, is questioning Betty Jean Alexander's right to run for that seat or to serve in that seat or the voters' right to choose her. I think what, what we're trying to get at is why was there no information about her out there? I mean, it's not. This is not about criticizing her in any way. I don't, I don't know her. Uh, and we are trying to get her to come in here uh, to the program to talk to her so I can get to know her. Uh, but, but the question is, why didn't the press, uh, all of the press uh, in, this, in this region, uh, spend a little more time trying to make sure that we knew who she was? Well, and I think there was an effort to do that. We just couldn't get the buy-in from everybody. But but if we're going to look at this race and we're going to continue to question the media on this, I think the next question for us, and I think it's one no one's really brought up that much, is should David Knizek have been the state senator there? David Knizek won four years ago mm-hmm. because he was, Very I, narrow I think, race, right? one of, he didn't win with a majority in yeah, the primary. Right. Not many people vote in the primary. He was probably better organized, spent more money than the other candidates, and he was the only white candidate. In this case, Lamar Lemons, who's the reason we have Betty Jean Alexander as effectively our senator-elect from the 5th District, argues that there was a black and a pink wave where people voted for her because... She's black and she's a woman. Uh-huh. So that's identity politics. It, it could be that Knizek got through four years ago on identity politics where mostly white people said, I want somebody who looks like me representing me. Mm-hmm. And he won in a fractured primary with yeah. multiple candidates. So maybe what this is, is just the inevitable court course correction. And then that brings us to the next topic, which is, should we be voting for people because of what they look like and because of which restroom they use? I don't want to get into that discussion because we don't have 74 hours. But but, I mean, I think there's some real questions and it all kind of comes back to, do we know who the hell we're voting for and why we're voting for them? And what can we do to help people learn those things? Right. Go ahead, Candice. And I couldn't agree more. At the end of the day, and and I hear Greg, and I think that Greg makes some excellent points. But to vote for a candidate that you know nothing about is not a responsible decision. We got a great outcome here, right? Maybe. I I don't know yet. We'll see. Um, But this could have gone a lot differently. And so this idea that you just should just vote for people is, 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 is not a responsible way for us to run a democracy. Right. It's not a responsible way for us to continue to grow as a state, as a, as, as a city, as a country, right? Like we need to know who we are putting into elected office. These are real decisions that impact people's real daily lives. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't know as a, as a resident of that district how Betty is going to impact my life once she gets into that, if she gets into that seat. And that's an uncomfortable space to live in. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons that we're trying to get her to come in here and uh, tell you about one of the, some of the things she might do when she I gets am, to Lansing. I'm excited, and I think that, quite honestly, I, I bet you my neighbors would be happy to fill you with questions because I'm sure <laughs> they have quite a few I'm of sure them. lots of people do. All right, uh, Emma Alaric, uh, investigative reporter, Fox 2 News. Always great to see you. Thanks for being here. 
My pleasure. Candace Fortman, Marketing and Engagement Manager. Thank you for coming into the studio. Thank you, Stephen. Up next, we are going to talk with race and inequality expert Heather McGee about Charlottesville one year later. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today. 